2019 has been weird. It's been a weird year, hasn't it? Yes. I don't, I don't see how, man. Man, fucking video games at the beginning were one thing, and now they're just like streamed in your web browser to your phone where you can play the latest games. In when I was in Japan for here my honeymoon, here, here I go goes. again. Here I goes. was at a okay. shopping pavilion oh, and I peed on a video game in a toilet. So 2019, hey, guess what? You're not there yet. I don't know what year that was in, but 2019 is like, oh, we're Microsoft streaming shit onto a Sony phone. And it's like, I peed on a game. Like, it doesn't matter yet. I'm trying to translate what you just said. You went to Japan. You yes. Put a, uh, you put a video game in a toilet and you peed I didn't on put it, it there. I didn't put, put it, there. it there. I didn't put it there. I don't know, like man. You put Hideo Kojima's Metal Gear Solid 4. No, a, no there was like a special P controller that I blasted and it made Mario jump or whatever. But anyway, I don't care that that Stadia is whatever, man. Pee on a video game. 2020, pee on video, pee on games. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best year of the year. My name is Griffin McElroy, and this was not <laughs> that. My name is Chris Plant. When are we? My name is Russ Frustrick, and I know the best game of the week. Welcome to the Besties, a game of the year <laughs> show that's kind of like a book club and has wi- varied wildly in format since it began its new iteration. We're going to settle into a groove here real soon as long as soon as the games return to us. But for now, we are uh, going to talk about 2019 holistically speaking. Uh, the the best moments, the worst moments. What do we love? What do we hate? What did we uh, what were we milk toast on? No, that doesn't make the cut. Strong feelings only. I do want to mention we did spend two full episodes talking about the video games that we love and or hate, mostly that we love. So this is more about sort of like trends and themes and common occurrences than it is like, hey, Sekiro let you cut guys. And it did. It did let you cut guys. Actually, that is my first topic is Sekiro let you cut guys. This is less a discussion of the game and its merits, but a discussion about this was a game that did let you cut guys with uh, (laughs) and his sword was pretty big. So so that was my big moment in 2019. Okay, who wants to start? Russell? I I suppose I'll start. Um, So when we started this year, there was a phenomenon. I guess 2018 was the like year of the battle royale. It sort of like became a thing like a big deal in 2018 and we played a lot of PUBG and we all had a good time and it was lovely and 2019 has been weird because it started in this like state where uh, Apex Legends came out like out of nowhere and then Fortnite did all sorts of crazy stuff but I'm like I can't do them anymore because I'm bad and I don't know what to do so So just to just we're kicking yeah. things off with Russ saying a lot of shit happened with Battle Royale, gang. I don't know. I got bad at him. I mean, I did. I got really bad at them. Okay. Well, I was it pretty was... bad before, but now it's like... Question for you. Is the trend that you're describing that a lot of Battle Royale games came out this year, or is the trend that you got old and now you're not good at video games? I mean, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I would also the add, eternal like, trend. The, etern- the trend, the one-way forever trend, <laughs> Russell. It's more that, like, 
Okay, so like Apex was really the like one main big new battle royale that came out that like landed, but since then I feel like there's been like pu- a push away from the genre. I don't know. Am I crazy? I don't think a push away is a fair way of categorizing it because first of all, like I don't think anybody sitting here really even has like a like a comprehensive understanding of the actual scope of Fortnite, let alone sure. PUBG. I, yeah, like PUBG, PUBG is still piece, like but yeah. PUBG, but PUBG is still like the bigger one in terms of like mobile and international markets. So like you know, I, I think that it was uh a a mainstream hit genre in a way that few things have been in a in a long time and maybe that that has died down just a little bit but that's not to say that like Fortnite shutting down for a week or whatever while they released Fortnite 2.0 and having an infiction end of the world catastrophe like that's they did so much super fascinating stuff this year I feel like it's going to be in that category though like this whole genre is moving over to a like I will enjoy it from afar. You know, I dipped into Apex and everybody got good at that a lot quicker than they did at PUBG, I think. And I think the 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 challenge, the hurdle for Battle Royale games going forward is I think that it's going to the vocabulary of play for these games has or the meta, maybe I, I should say, of of the Battle Royale game is has advanced enough to I think that that fall off for casual players is going to get quicker and quicker. Like, I feel like there's so much meta around Battle Royale games that like it's going to be harder and harder to get like people who don't obsessively play them into the to, into the ecosystem. Pseudo counterpoint. I think that's true for like Apex Legends and PUBG, right? But I, I feel like uh, Fortnite's method is just to be trends the video game that it's the gameplay meta has almost in a way fallen off. And now they're like, I don't know. It's Marvel week, baby. Thanos is here. Oh, do you know what time it is? Star Wars time. JJ's here. JJ, tell us about Star Wars. I mean, the beginning of the new Star Wars, uh, the very first words in it, and the title crawl, which I won't spoil on the off chance somebody hasn't seen it yet, are a reference to a thing that only happens in Fortnite. That's that's bonkers, and has nothing to do with the video game now. And I think like that is what Fortnite is. Like it's it's left the battle royale genre, and it's like I don't know. We're just a place where like millions of teenagers congregate to find out what insert character has to say in the next Disney movie. The space war is getting really bad. Blunt Rap 69 lowers his nutsack onto his, his defeated opponent's grill. Uh, Justin, speaking of we're all old people who uh, can't hang with relevant genres anymore, do you want to talk about your sort of... Yeah, I want to get into um, sort of the auto chess, auto battlers, that whole genre. Yeah, get into it, baby. Mm-hmm. Get into it. Let's hear what you got to say. I feel like we shouldn't have bookended these, Russ. <laughs> I thought that you'd be coming from a position of more authority. Y'all, I've tried on this one. I don't know. Can't get, can't think. I've looked at video. I have listened to podcasts. I have read things about the auto chess genre. And friends, I'm here to tell you, I think it's a prank on the old. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think auto chess is a prank on the old. Like, we'll nod knowingly. Uh-huh, uh-huh, chess. Yeah, automatic chess. I got it. I'm with it, kids. And now let me just fire it up. And it's not a real program. It's like the reverse of Frog Fractions. It, like, looks like a real game, but is not actually playable huh. in any conceivable it's, fashion. Uh, it's wild to me that it didn't click with you, no pun intended, because of your love for the clicker genre. Doesn't it kind of seem like a like a clicker, a competitive? Competitive clicker roguelike. Have is, no, I would have no 
way of no. You know what? I feel like I'm not going to be able to get into new genres that are multiplayer focused. If there was a, a sort of a single player lore heavy. <laughs> <laughs> totally different game. Uh, yeah, completely different game. Thank you, of course. Uh, maybe that would be the one. But I guess this is just my confession that like, I don't know how to get. I, they look they look great they look so good wild. the things are happening all over do you guys have any more insight into this than i do so it's not just like the old man yeah. show well i do know that like so auto chess came out and that was like the first one of these and it was a mod for dota and it launched and then um riot who makes league of legends as well as billions of dollars was like mm, something going on here and basically made one that was like dramatically more accessible than auto chess and uh, kind of crushed auto chess into dirt, which is a problem for them. And I don't know how they're going to sort of bounce back from that. So now you really just have Dota Underlords isn't out on wait, which is the one that is out on uh, Oda Underlords is out on iOS, right? And, and technically so is auto chess. But I do feel like I don't think Teamfight Tactics is though at this point. No, it's not. Point, Teamfight though. Tactics okay. is not. But it does feel like um, Riot and Valve sort of like looked at this idea and they were like, hey, we can do this better and and sort of like dominated. It's it is sort of like the PUBG situation with Fortnite where they just sort of dominated the current competition. Interestingly, Russ, your contribution seems to be more of a survey or perhaps a history without explaining me what the fuck the game <laughs> oh, yeah. is. So eh? The issue with that is that I have no fucking idea. Plant, this is the first year I have not, well, not the first year, because I didn't, it's been a couple of years since I've been to E3. The last one I went to was, uh, I think, 2016? For I get, we, we didn't have our finger necessarily completely on the pulse this year, but just sort of like, you know, quick look at it. It seemed like it really kicked ass this year. I, from what I heard, checking tweets, and like everybody came out of it saying, hey guys, I had a kick-ass year. See you 2020. Have a great rest is of your it summer. Like, Plant, is it done or is this an inhale? I, I feel bad saying it's dead. You know, like, uh, y'all like football, right? With the Tom Brady, where people try to count out touchdown Tom, and then he throws no. the touchdowns in the final two minutes, and then he's back, baby. That's how I feel with E3. It's, you know, it's died before. It's been in high schools. or just, like, not happened. And then it, then it like, roars back, and suddenly Los Angeles is uh, taking over downtown. So I, I, I don't want to say it's dead. It had a lot of people there. But I would say E3 has... Three people that needs to serve, right? Has to serve fans. Well, listen, if they only got to get three people there, no. I think that they're fine. <laughs> has to serve Justin. Has to serve <laughs> the the fans, the press. Stupid, stupid Louie, the YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fans, the press, and and like GameSpot. Uh, that's right, right. The, the people who who buy the, and sell the games. Stop. And it's like. I can't believe you've messed that up. Oh my gosh, thank you. You've been a professional in this industry for five decades. Retail press fans. Yes. And it's not good at any of those now. For like the press, the idea was back in the day, like 20 years ago, to get the New York Times and Washington Post to like ever write about games. It was like, okay, we all got to come together and do one big event. And then maybe we get a paragraph on like the fourth page of the art section. And now like you don't have to do that. Um, For like retail, I mean... GameStop's not like in the in the best spot in the world, and there are plenty of other events. And for fans, you have things like Nintendo Direct. Yeah, twist for those listening at home who don't keep up. They have never cared if the polygons and joysticks and Kotaku's and IGNs of the world were there. They couldn't give a shit. No, not at all. So they're they're not really like serving anybody. And I think the idea now is like, well, if if this entire model doesn't work, we'll just do fan events. But the problem is they're not packs. Like packs has the right. Penny Arcade Expo has such a leg up on them. 
um, and they're not willing to commit all the way. And then on top of that, the ESA, like the company that runs it, just they're not. They've doing fallen the, the fuck apart, man. Yeah, they've like have humored meetings with Trump over violent video games. They did not put all of the personal information uh, for people who registered for E3 as press or influencers behind any security. So that document just leaked, which let me tell you is great for people's safety in the video game community. They're just kind of the pits and and it seems like uh even without all of the mistakes they're making that everybody is kind of piecing ea build like a while ago activision shows up sometimes microsoft literally just owns a theater in the complex so they're like why would we possibly pay you to show up the the fact that microsoft flex nuts at the game awards not at e3 i think tells a lot listen the video game awards are filling in a lot of like what that used to be like there were more announcements like 100 percent more announcements in the vgas this year than in e3 right I don't. Oh, I wouldn't I go would that far. That. Um, but it, it was it was competitive in a way that it has certainly never ever been. Yeah. I, I I am looking forward to E three twenty twenty. I think this was a you know this was a rough year for all of the bad terrible managerial mistakes that were made this year. <laughs> but also just like it's that perfect storm of last year before ostensibly a new console generation rolls around. And so of course it's going to be like the slowest. Yeah. I also just think though, like at the end of the day, Apple has proven over the past decade and change that why participate in these events when you can just own your own event and have like yeah and and completely control it that makes so much more sense i want to talk about nintendo uh my friend uh uncle nintendo i have uh uh, two uncles who work there they made mario and yoshi and uh what they've been up to this year delighting all of us with that uh switch light uh here's a confession i just switched back (laughs) to my switch thick why well uh well because it's it i was playing some uh some stuff with Henry and not being able to like plug it into the TV was detrimental oh, to that. Yeah. Not being able to like take just slide the Joy Cons out and be able to play two players was kind of a pain in the ass. Um, but the Switch Lite, I like a lot. I think that, that was cool. I think that was smart. I think introducing that earlier in the console cycle, that like 2DS style, uh, more budget, more durable sort of uh, model is really neat. Uh, I think Nintendo put out a lot of really great stuff this year, a lot of like surprising stuff. Uh, I think the recent like update to Mario Maker 2 is really cool, but. Uh, what was disheartening for for me a little bit, I know we're coming off as like super negative, like there really was a lot of good Nintendo stuff. It just really boggles my mind how much uh, ball dropping vis-a-vis online stuff is still going on. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of wild to me. The Mario Maker 2 online experience was like, that is maybe the hardest whiplash from being like psyched out of my mind for a game feature to like, oh no, this isn't good at all. Uh, because the lag was super, super bad. Uh, it was kind of tough to find like, uh, creators that were on your friends list. Like the entire system is still like so arcane and I keep waiting for like a, the big firmware update, which uh, I saw somebody <laughs> online point out like hasn't happened yet. Well, I don't know. I mean, this console has been up for uh, what a year and a half, almost two years now. When did it come out? Early 2017. I want to say with new consoles coming out next year. Like I know that Nintendo is not exactly like participating in the exact same space, but like, it, I've, I'm with Charlie Brown with the football right now. Like, I mean, surely it's not at the some back point, end, though, it's just like none of these games are have been good about implementing online. Like, it's not the fact that they it is had the a back end in the like that there is still friend codes shit. Like that that back end ain't great. Like, 
that's not a very good back end. I don't know. I, yeah. I this is a this is a hyper specific one. I think when we came up with these topics, it was uh, it was a little bit ago, and this was when I was like really mad about Mario Maker Two not having like super great online uh, functionality. But like Mario Maker One had also had like a website that you could like post your link uh, link your like level codes to and like save them for later. Like there was a bunch of uh, cool stuff there that was. Kind I of think though it's notable in this in the context of Mario Maker Two because it sounds like from what I've heard from people that like poor online implementation is what sunk that game and why a lot of people like do not care about it sunk is i mean the people who are still like super into that experience are into it i think that mario maker 2 like hasn't had the longevity certainly for me even though i think it's a way better game uh i think it is because like uh i it was just a little bit too tough for me to find levels from like people i know and people Mm -hmm. i follow online uh and like that's the kind of stuff it feels like it's just constant and uh there's stuff that i'm really excited about next year like especially animal crossing where like i don't want anything to like get in the way of me and tom nook uh forming a a new relationship well something is going to get in the way of this show though and it's a commercial break. you don't like it when you frame it like that (laughs) oh really that's weird (laughs) Well, it's my show. They can come on this show and talk about fucking Mario's hat or whatever we do here if they don't like the way I do things. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? I can pull that nonsense. Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com besties that's mintmobile.com besties cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com besties additional taxes Fees and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have, and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. 
So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. This episode of The Besties is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Russ, uh, you're wearing massive uh, goggles and uh, you're holding... what appears to be a katana if you could come back to us in the real world mm-hmm. uh, and okay he's unhooking from he just stabbed a whale with his katana he's got he's getting off his treadmill okay mm-hmm. come on down here he's unplugging some sort of like jelly hoses from his torso <laughs> okay russ i'm okay he's completely nude and slippery <laughs> like an eel well that at least that's back to normal okay uh i wanted to talk a little bit about Virtual reality, my new passion that lasted for easily 12 hours one day in March this year. Uh, Are you, and then subsided. Let's switch topics because I like virtual no, reality. You guys should defend virtual reality. And honestly, I had a really good time in virtual reality. And I'm just going to keep saying virtual reality because I think gravity <laughs> is stupid. I, I really genuinely was uh, had a blast with the Oculus Quest, which was the virtual reality headset that came out this year and was fully wireless and all the games were like baked into the actual headset and you could uh, sort of mark your territory as it were with a virtual wand. Uh, And it made playing VR games like really, really easy and fun and quick. And I was like, damn, this is fun. This is exactly what I needed from VR. Like I don't, the biggest detractor from VR is the like to-do required to set it up and wires and batteries Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, I guess this one does have batteries, but certainly wires. And this eliminated all that. So I was like super jazzed. And we had an Oculus Quest in the office and I borrowed it over like a long weekend. And I played probably like maybe four hours in total and like had a really, really good time and then had zero desire to ever put one on again. Because I think even though it is like smooth and easy to use and all that stuff, I think my brain just can't handle it. 
It's just too much. Your brain can't handle fucking anything, Russ. You think that's your, it? your weird busted up brain. <laughs> you you can't you can't play a Game Boy Color without yartsing all over the place because you're like the color is too. I like the it's old true. gray I like and the green two shit. Two grays. That was my favorite. I've heard from several people now. I've not fooled around with the quest myself, but I've heard from a lot of people like this is the easiest way. And like to, to get a decent experience, yes. like you know, one 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 problem. Griffin was very kind, and he gave me uh, a quest, and I was like, "This is great." I I have uh, uh the old Oculus, and I tried to play it in my office, and I couldn't. There's just not enough space. So it's like, I know what I'll do. I'll get a quest. I'll go outside where there's all the space in the world, and I'll play mm-hmm. the quest in the street. Put the quest on in my backyard like a responsible human being. And the very first thing it tells me is do not play this outside. As if like a low flying plane is going to scoop by and suck me into its engine if I'm not paying attention. Now, plant, you're a smart guy. You know that there's literally a billion other reasons why there's it's a bad no, idea. It's all low reason. That's where dogs is. That's, that's where dogs that is. That is where dogs is. Wild <laughs> mad dogs lives in, in there. We on also the outside do have possums. Oh, y'all. A side note, but a possum died in our front yard uh, a couple weeks ago and you know what happens in texas when that happens vultures nothing a dozen oh. vultures <laughs> yeah, and then all your point. old neighbors come out and they go what died and you say possum and they say yep makes sense vultures as if it's just a thing you should all know wait did you break the rules and do it anyway of course they did Bad i think boy. i think okay it, so here's what here's what i was trying to get to it seems to me and tell me if, if this read is right that even with all the a lot of the um, rough edges sanded off of the VR experience, it seems like, and, and this is why I think the what VR has lacked from the beginning is a I'm going to say killer app and yes. don't like leap in to de- to defend because I know there have been a lot of good VR experiences, but by killer app I mean something like that is meaty and and large in scale and you want to continue to play for a very long time and it seems like the problem is as immersive as vr is the comfort is still not there to where you want to do it for hours on end so like you can't have that that immersive experience even though it is more immersive you can't have the the kind of like lose yourself experience because it is not something that you want to do in perpetuity. Yeah, I mean, f- physically speaking, yeah. like yes, yes exactly. yeah, sure. Right. I, I, I. The the hardest I ever got into a game was that uh, Echo, Lone Echo. Lone Echo game, which is still like probably my favorite VR game I've ever played. It was like that narrative. You're in a spaceship, uh, and you just have to like push yourself off the walls. God, it was so 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 good. But I would play it for long extended periods of time, and because I was like really really into it, and I would take the headset off and be like sweating because you know keeping a screen strapped to your face for two and a half hours is like not great for you. Quest, I think, ameliorates a lot of that because it is the most comfortable headset that uh, is out there. But in terms of it being a killer app, like, it, it it is not... That term doesn't just mean, like, a good engrossing game. It means a game that makes everyone want to own yeah. that right. piece of hardware. Like, Halo was a killer app for the Xbox because people saw that and said, well, I can't not have an Xbox and not play Halo. And so far, I would argue the closest thing we have for that for VR is like Beat Saber or Uh, or those super hot is out on other stuff, right? Super hot is, is you can play on other platforms, but it is best on VR. Of course. Um, the thing that you got like the star Wars, like narrative games, those are all right, but they are the thing that, you know, uh, Oculus is pushing pretty hard is like the big thing. I think I love VR. I think it's cool. And I have had a hell of a time this year, like watching it in its nascency, like watching game developers figure out, 
how to make common video game functions work in a VR space. That stuff's really interesting to me, but I'm an, like an early adopter of nerd shit like that. I think what it's going to take is legitimately some Oasis shit. Like it is going to be, if not Facebook Horizon, think about it, if Facebook Horizon turns out, which is like their online social oh, VR space, gosh. like if that, that could be really fucking cool. If they, if they, if it <laughs> is good and not like aspects of it. But yeah. yeah. Well, you can't fucking ignore the dystopian <laughs> aspects of it. If you put on a VR headset, you're not allowed to ignore That's the dystopian <laughs> aspects of fucking anything. I'm saying like Facebook Horizon has a chance to like, if not that, something like that is going to be what, what, what about half pushes life? people into it. I mean, ga- gamers, that that's, may push some more gamers into the mix, but like, I don't. I think that's what it needs right now. I mean, absolutely, I got a, a, yeah. an influx of, hey, listen, we got so much to cover. Griffin, uh, you, it says here in your contract that you get to talk about Destiny 2 first. I get to talk about Destiny yeah. 2 first. I mean, it was a weird year for Destiny 2. It was a weird year for all uh, like live service games sort of in general, but Destiny 2 is probably the one I played the most of uh, in general this year. They broke up with Activision, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Bungie took the reins of their game back from Activision, which is like, we could spend a whole episode talking about that. That's quite strange. Hey, Activision, what you got going on over there now? Because it was Destiny and Call of Duty and, I don't know, Tony Hawk 6 at some point. I mean, they, and I guess in Activision's defense, I guarantee they looked at the numbers and they were like, well, it's making this much money and that is expensive, so we should do other things. Like like all of Blizzard. I think there has been a... Yeah, woof. There's been a, like a... a significant i would say like tonal change since they they went not independent but you know what i mean it's but i guess independent they broke up with activision uh the game has like changed pretty dramatically and it has been really neat like watching this huge 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 game arguably one of the biggest games out right now sort of take a a major big 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 swing uh after breaking up with its longtime business what do you partner mean tonal change i mean like the way that they are handling seasons now oh, is different oh, yeah. the uh just the sheer volume of shit that they changed uh in mean, like, the strategically update that followed. how they roll out content essentially strategically how they roll out content how they do battle but this is like the big conversation for like a, a live services game especially one that is sort of mmo ish like destiny is like how do you put out new content especially if there's not a subscription fee right like old school mmos have that figured out you pay for the the new content by having a subscription fee destiny has never had that right and so how do you how do you keep putting stuff out and getting people to come back and play they've never been good about that i've come back and played every destiny like expansion or update or season or whatever played it for two or three days until i finished the story shit and then bounced but this was the season like uh starting with season of opulence which i think was the last season they did with uh, activision Whatever they are, like the last three seasons have been like pretty good. I've only just started to dip my toes into the most recent release, but like I feel like Destiny really figured out its like pacing and its stride this year, which I don't know, man. I've watched a lot of other games sort of shit the bed. Like I've played an incalculable amount of World of Warcraft and just like they lost it. Yeah, people and don't like that. Destiny, game, huh? that Destiny kind of found it. Yeah, that expansion was bad and it came up against. Shadowbringers, which I still wish we could just do an episode about, but I guess not. No, it's never going to happen for me. <laughs> probably not. I'd like to talk about Apple Arcade for a second because that was a big thing in 2019. And I will admit to being, and I, I would actually like to hear your guys' thoughts because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm mixed. Okay, so in the beginning, if you're too young to remember, in the beginning, uh, the way it, games would tend to go viral on the app store. And that is how discoverability largely worked. Uh, everybody would start talking about something and then everybody would play it for a while and then they'd, they'd move on to the new 
thing. And that was the way it worked for a while. And then uh, the it got so big and some other uh, different things happened. There it started to be more of a focus on microtransactions and pay to win kind of stuff. And it, it became harder for games to go viral like that. Also because it was very diverse and there was uh, things didn't get the sort of mass heat uh, that they they used to. And then Apple Arcade came along and it was suddenly like you're being surfaced for a very reasonable fee, being surfaced a lot of games uh, that had sort of like you would assume passed some sort of smell test uh, that that Apple had said, this is good. You'll like this. We've sorted through some of the cruft, which to me was the actual value of it, because I'm not like buying a ton of games on iOS anyway, like the value was less the monetary and more like time saved. Uh, and at the start, I would say there's like a lot of stuff that I was very into and seemed very uh, worthwhile. Uh, I would say that the problem that I have run into is that since it's twofold, one is that since they don't have a hundred games all at once uh, anymore. The hit rate for me has gone down considerably since the service launched. Um, it is much more rare that I find something on there that I'm like desperate to play. Uh, uh, I think that's problem one. Problem two is that it's still just a tab in the app store. I think it should be its own app. Uh, I think they should break it out into something that is easier to separate. Why does that matter to you? One, I think it makes it harder to separate things and sort through things uh as they get new games in there it is harder to find the kind of stuff that you would actually want it also keeps it from being top of mind because you you it's buried there in the in the app store so that is i I think that's it's a meaningful difference the third thing i would say though is that a lot of games that were in that old model of the microtransactions i should i shouldn't say old model it's still the the main model for most ios games they are designed to keep you playing they are designed to be a little bit uh, hookier, I would think, because they desperately need you to keep playing them. Sure. And that can be a little predatory sometimes, but it's also something I miss. Right. Uh, in a lot of these games, it's kind of like take them or leave them. Like it, it's fun, but it doesn't have the sort of like addictive nature that, that a lot of these other ones do. Even though they were like designed specifically with like you had to buy turns to beat a level. Like that's- well, no, I uh, like uh, the game I've played most is, and this is probably true for you too, Russ. Is Fire Emblem Heroes, yes. right? And it's a gotcha pawn style game, and I get it. But like, it's also a great game. Yeah. It just has like all of these long tail hooks and all these microtransaction things. Same for uh, oh god, all the Super Stickman Golf games, the uh, Golf Sh- Blitz. Yeah, like sure. I played a lot of that game, but that type of game, I don't think works on Apple Arcade because of the way well it's a free-to-play game that is sort of built uh, sure 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 but those i'm i'm talking about like justin has just brought up something which is like i can't understand why i have not really clicked with apple arcade and it's because all of the games i've ever really loved on ios were games that had like run a okay balance of of hey it's free to play and there's microtransactions but we're going to put content out for it like forever so you didn't get into like grindstone or card of darkness or i got into grindstone card of darkness i hit a wall with grindstone was very good that was one of the original ones where i was like okay this is excellent um i think i think that one got a little too uh tough as well uh for for just it wasn't as accessible can i say something else that really bothers me about apple arcade Mm -hmm. there is a like i know it's short but whenever you start an Apple Arcade game, there oh, is an yeah. Apple Arcade card yeah. that has to pop up. And it's such a fundamental misunderstanding of how I 
yes, of like how I'm using iOS for gaming. Like there's a lot of the Apple Arcade games actually that are a little indulgent with that. Like they, I, hey, listen, if, if you don't need to get in and uh, uh, buy loot boxes, we're going to go ahead and show you some, a few logos if that's yeah. okay every time yeah. you start the game. You actually just reminded me to unsubscribe, which I did <laughs> while you were talking oh, damn. through this. That's ice cold, dude. I, but no, I, I think the thing, I never really thought about this, why I don't unsubscribe from, say, like Hulu, even if I go a month without uh, watching anything on it. But Hulu, it's like, I don't know. Maybe there'll be something here and there that's a half hour that I'll enjoy. Um, but once I've played the games that I want to play on on one of these services and there's nothing else, I don't need to be a subscriber to it until something new pops. Um, and like, yeah. I got my worth out of Grindstone in Card of Darkness. Now I'm done. So why would I keep yeah. paying for it? Now Plan only plays game on, on games on Google Stadia. Yeah, yo. Oh, gosh, y'all. So... I got to play. How's it going over there? Oh, I got to play the Google Stadia. I actually did it at my my in laws um, because I wanted the most optimal Google experience. I set them up with a Google Wi Fi last year because they're always asking me to fix their internet, um, and that's super easy. Google Wi Fi. So I tested it with Google Wi Fi in Chrome, literally s- sitting next to um, uh, a router uh, and modem, spitting out like I don't know two hundred meg a second or something it, optimal, and the results were like fine like okay it, it the games looked fine maybe like console grade there was stuttering on some games but not on others it was like a really cool tech demo and that i guess is neat but then i like started thinking about the past decade and how many times have we been talking about really cool tech demos like this like on live or ps now which i think people have just forgotten that sony already has a cloud gaming service out there um, and I know we're supposed to say, hey, the next decade, it's cloud gaming, baby. Like, this is the future. Um, you know, if you, if you want to be into games, you, you better embrace the cloud. And I Can we start calling it the cloud? The cloud? Probably not. <laughs> you don't think that's going to take off the cloud? <laughs> You're the worst. I don't think the cloud is going to be it. I think it, it might be. Oh, like the Google cloud? Probably not. Let me check with everyone, guys. No, no, man. Everyone's saying no to yeah, the cloud. it's a hard no. Uh, I tested xCloud, the, the Microsoft one, and that one so far of what I've tried works really well. But again, like, I don't know. The, the best theory that I can come up with for when I think cloud gaming is going to really blow up is next gen comes, right? And a new yeah. GTA comes out or a new Madden, and you can only play it on next gen consoles. Now, all the people who would normally buy one of those expensive pieces of hardware will go, I don't know, to the internet.com. And they'll look it up and they'll be like, oh, I can spend $500 plus the $60 for the game to play it on the new Xbox or the new PlayStation. Or I can just buy the game for $60 and play it over the cloud on whatever service I want. And at that moment, I feel like we'll start to see like critical mass when people suddenly only have the option of buying a new piece of hardware or using the cloud. Right now, while I think... Most people have, most people who want to play these games have the hardware to do it. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. And I, and, I, and I suspect that we won't see the cloud be the only option. Microsoft has been saying this for a while. And again, I was kind of skeptical, but now I think they're right. Uh, it'll be like uh, Kindle. You know, if you want to play a hardcore, you can play on a PC. If you want to, you know, have a reliable but average price, you can play on your console. If you want to, if you don't mind stuttering, 
now and then and like lower end graphics you can play it on the cloud and ideally like you buy it once and it works on all those options that sounds great to me i just want remote play on next gen stuff i got that if you've not messed if you've yeah i know but I, I, i like the remote play app for iOS for PlayStation 4 is remarkable. Yeah, it's it's what great. I've been playing. Like I've been playing a ton of FF14 like on my iPad oh. connected to a, a, a DualShock 4 and like it runs really great. Like that's what I want. I want to own my games on my box and then play it wherever I want on my phone but not like have to buy them from Google and then also like that's that's where they live now. Now yeah. I've given Google $70 for so some- weird that they they kept that library sort of metaphor for stadia it seems like such a misunderstanding of what i, I kind of want to get in there and just like fuck around with the game i don't want to like buy something and have yeah. it live on google yeah. if it was like a if it was if it was microsoft doing that and it was literally everything was the same except it was microsoft and instead of buying games you had xbox game pass and like that yeah. was it you paid the subscription you paid the the annual subscription weekly subscription monthly subscription for that and you had access to like all these games that's great but i'm not gonna buy Destiny. i'm not gonna buy that's a bad example because that one's free but i'm not gonna buy you know tomb raider on stadia that's it also what? neglects no. trust like I would buy a game on cloud streaming only from Microsoft because I know it's going to be around. I bought games on PlayStation now for for like, well, I think you could stream like PS2, PS3 games on your PS4. You bought them. And so I did that and it works and it's fine. And and it's on my PS4, right. a box I'm going to own for the rest of my life. I want to check in with the people. Uh, uh, mail at bestie.fan is our email address. Uh, we'll tell you what we want to talk about here in a second. But here's what you we asked this uh, for this episode, we asked you to talk about your uh, best things of 2019. Alex says, id Software's willingness to delay the release of Doom Eternal in order to deliver their authentic vision should be celebrated. All right, Alex. <laughs> okay, Alex. I feel that. I feel it's that. Authentic. I feel that same. Yeah. Hey, 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 y'all. If the best thing that happened in 2019 was something not happening, <laughs> that's a rough year, okay? <laughs> Oof. Drew Davenport says, in the year 2019, I bought a PlayStation Vita and it's my highlight. That's good. Vita's are good. Uh, man, yeah, okay. Was there something? Is there somebody I mean, we, we did got... just finish an entire episode where we were pretty negative, which I feel bad about now. Here's a good one. Eric said, my personal highlight was EVA 2019, where they finally put Under Night in Birth, a gorgeous, deep, and extremely horribly named fighting game by a very small team on the big stage and had a fantastic showing. Even if you don't give a shit about fighting games, it warms my heart to see game quality and fan dedication shine, even without all of big gaming's big money. So that's called Under Night in Birth, which is rough. Yeah, it could, could use a bit of a, a tweak there. That's rough. Tyler says, uh, Kingdom Farts 3 may have been a real stinker, but watching Buzz Lightyear's heart turn to darkness made it all worth it. <laughs> we have a negative. I'm going to say my positive thing is the entire Toy Story chapter, all the JRPG shit that they make fake Tim Allen say and fake Tom Hanks say. Well, gosh, Space Ranger, it looks like Sephiroth has corrupted your heart soul. So thank you to everyone who submit, uh, submitted your, your great moments. It was a wild and crazy year, y'all. It was, I know we sounded super negative, but like, I, I think it's the same way that like the, there wasn't one standout game that everybody's agreeing is the goatee of this year. Like, I don't think there were a ton of like highlights for everyone. It, I mean, there were good games. Uh, like we did just spend two straight episodes talking about like a pretty large list of very, very good games. So I'm not necessarily saying it was a bit, but it was this weird, like, 
transition. Calm before the storm, man. Yeah. Uh, We want to hear from you again. Mail at Bessies.fan. Let us know your most anticipated game of 2020. And you could be on next week's episode. Just tell us what you're looking forward to and why. That is the end of uh, the episode. For (laughs) 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 fucking good, nailed it. No, no, no. In all seriousness, if you're listening to us on um, iTunes or various other feeds, you should know that this is actually going to be the final episode that you will get in your normal feed. Um, We are uh, moving on to uh, all episodes being. We're dying. Dying. Uh, you're dying. We're going to live with your pop pop on a big farm. <laughs> and that uh, farm's called Spotify. No, starting. Also, your pop pop's new album on Spotify. It's Fuck fire, you. dude. So, it's so choice. Starting January 3rd, uh, all episodes of The Besties, new episodes moving forward, will be exclusive to Spotify. Uh, so all you really need to do is uh, pop on over and follow and listen for free on Spotify. Um, it is free. You don't need a paid account or anything like that. But literally, there will not be new episodes on this feed if you're listening to it on a place that's not spotify so please please come listen to us there please we, we, the show will probably not exist if you don't come listen to us there so maybe do that. yeah <laughs> yeah it'll be a lot we we promised a lot of shit okay listen we made a lot of big promises <laughs> we made a lot of checks with our mouths yeah so please come listen to us and be sure to join us again next time for the best hey, yo am i coming coming with you no hey i'm backing up the car Emma, Emma, oh making the trip. <laughs> the giraffe is bitten onto the rear bumper of the car and is now bouncing along the street as we yes. speed away. Guys, hold up. We're bringing New York giraffe with us too. Fine. Ayo. Stop emailing us. We'll be sure to join us again next time for the besties because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Spotify original podcast in association with Vox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties!